What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the world's smartest podcast network. When I go to Sacramento, I will pump up Sacramento. Sacramento. Some say the news is fake. Others say it's real. These two don't have the time to check. Instead, Turner Sparks and Michael Ira Kaplan turn to comics stationed around the globe to be their eyewitness reporters so that you can know what's really going on. This is Lost in America. All right, everybody, welcome to Lost in America, episode 276. My name's Turner Sparks. And I am Mike Kaplan. You can find me at Turner Sparks on Instagram. Spelled just like it sounds. I'm putting new clips up every single week. Cap new one minute stand up clips nice. until my album comes out. In uh, my new record comes out in September. September 30th is the date we picked for that. Double happiness will be out September 30th. Subscribe to Turner Sparks on Instagram to get all the info on that. And also, you're getting free clips from my last special from 2019. Up until then. And then I'm just going to roll it over and start putting out clips from this one, but one minute at a time. So buy it because it's it's like an hour long. So you're going to have to be waiting 60 weeks to get the full thing. You're going to put the entire album out one day at a time? Just one One week at a time? Listen, Kaplan, one week. <laughs> pay attention to your own podcast. Oh, sorry. I can't follow, but that's exciting stuff. Congrats. Turn your microphone up a little bit, too. You can't really hear you, Cap. One week oh, at a time we'll be doing it. Uh, so follow me there. Follow Kaplan at Kaplan America on all social media platforms. Kaplan, on the podcast today, we're talking about Prime Minister Abe in Japan. Listen, he got uh, assassinated on July 8th. Normal times, we would have done this right away. But we were in El Salvador <laughs> filming a TV show. We're big Hollywood celebs now. So sometimes yeah. it takes a little while to we, get to stuff. And we asked the world, we said, we're going to be away for a week. Let's have no news for a week. Just let's have a little peace. Let's have a peaceful week. And I thought we were going to, I thought that the world was going to cooperate. And bam, this news broke. Didn't so happen. The prime to... minister of Japan no. got killed. Uh, Boris Johnson got thrown out of office. Sri Lanka, a, the coup finally happened. We baby. predicted all in the one week we were in El Salvador. Just our luck. Every, you know? They were jumping in the pool of the yeah, president. Who had a worse week than us? Nobody. Including these people we're about to talk about. (laughs) On the pot. So we're going to find out uh, who he was. uh, Prime Minister Abe. He was a bit controversial and that's an understatement. Also, we're going to find out how he was killed. Very interesting way that it happens. But but, and we're going to have a Momo Takamori on just a minute from Osaka just to talk talk about that. But Kat, before we get to that, patreon.com slash lost in America, you and I have spent the last few episodes over there telling the rest of our El Salvador story. If you want the rest of the story, and I know you do, if you want to get a 30-minute breakdown of our <laughs> our lunch with a Bitcoin millionaire, go to patreon.com slash lost in America for $5 a month. You can get that. 
And please do get it. We need the support over here. We got to change up our marketing in some way, Cap, because no one's subscribing. So I don't know what yeah. it is. We've we played nice. We played dirty. We've played mean. Everywhere I'm not sure between. what we're missing. You tell me. I mean, the, the Lost in America episode we released last week about our trip to El Salvador pales in comparison to what you're getting on the Patreon show. We declassify everything. Declassified. Yeah. It. That's a good way to put it. We declassified yeah. everything. And on on the, you know, Lost in America, that was the G-rated version. We went, this yeah. is triple X. And that version, he's a Bitcoin millionaire, as you just called him. And the other version, he's a very eccentric Bitcoin hero. So. Hero, yes. So we 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 get into everything, and we and we do with everything. We do everything with your life in New York, my life in New York. Just it's it's a lot of fun. Come subscribe, please, please. I'm begging you, please. Now we're now we're now we're getting to, to pathetic. <laughs> Patreon.com/slash Lost in America, folks. Please, please. Now, Kaplan, on today's podcast, uh, let's let's get into this. What do you what do you know about the Prime Minister of Japan? Well, what do you not? I mean, can I, I mean, start with what you don't know? I, his what name. I don't know is I thought his name was Abe because that's what Trump used to call him. I swear. <laughs> that's where I get my pronunciations. His name, you're, Abe. you're very intelligent. You assumed yeah. a the last name of a Japanese person was <laughs> Abraham. I think I thought it was his first name. And I think I thought it was like a, a nickname that Trump had given him. I think he, I thought he had a longer first name and Trump, Trump had shortened it to Abe. And I thought that was cute. That's one of Trump's better ones. So I'm very ignorant. I'm not, you know, you you know the continent better than I do. So I'm very ignorant to start. So I learned that. His name is Abe. I, Shinzo Abe. I learned, he was, I don't even know if people realize this, but the reason for the assassination is is just bizarre. I mean, the, the, essentially his, uh, he, the, the, the shooter was upset that his mom had given so, so much money to a church that uh, the president had brought into the country and made nice with. It, it was very, it was very, a convoluted assassination reason. And, you know, I yeah, can it wasn't because when I first read it and I'll just cut you off there. Yeah. When I first read it, I thought that he was being assassinated because he was a Nanjing massacre denier. The rape right. of Nanjing. He, he kind of denied you know, it. He honored the he honored the people who raped 200,000, 300,000 people on people. both sides. I'm I sure assumed that would have been what it was, but it was not. It was kind of this crazy thing. Anyway, uh, that's all I really know so far. That seems to be all you know. Let's bring our guest in, uh, Momo Takamori, a great comedian in Japan. We reached out to our contacts who've done comedy, well, who've lived in Japan, comedian Ollie Horn, others, um, and Andy Curtin over there in, in Australia. Everybody told us, if you want to learn about Japan, you got to talk to Momo. Momo ta uh, Takamori, comedian and member of the ROR comedy club in Osaka, Ed Dagger's uh, joint out there, who I knew in Shanghai. Momo, welcome to the show, man. How are you doing? And how did we do of our synopsis of your uh, the President Shinzo Abe? Oh, thanks for having me, firstly. And yeah. uh, you great job. You summarize it perfectly. Ah, look at that. <laughs> so there's this controversial figure, political figure, who came from the uh, uh, political dynasty, uh, Shinzo Abe was a uh, kind of a blue blood of politicians. His uh, uh, grandfather was also a prime minister. His uh, uh, father was a foreign minister. So he he came from a, a, a family of politicians. So he's sort of a, a Kennedy uh, of Japan, so to speak, and who died in more ways very, than one. Yeah, seriously, very Kennedy. In more ways than one. So there are you know overlaps and in a very weird way. So what uh, it's, it's Kennedy. I was going to go Trudeau, but you're right. Kennedy is much more apt. Um, <laughs> so while let's first learn about him when he was in office, yeah. just the basics we read were that he kind of wanted to move on from the past is a nice way to put it uh, and forget about World War Two. He says, listen, that's over, folks. It's time to move on. And. Indeed. Was that a uh, and part of that was he went and visited the the um, the monument to the I guess on one hand, you would call them vet, war vets, World War Two vets. Right. The Japanese war vets from uh, if you're in China or, or I think Korea was also a little upset about this. You might call it the the South Korea yeah. war atrocities kind of memorial. 
And um, anyway, so part of it was that he wanted to move on. Was that scene, was he a popular figure? Like, was that this moving on from the past? Because also he wanted to bring back the military. That was another thing he did in 2014, right? He said, we, it's time to have our own military again. We can't be just this country that relies on the United States military. Was he seen as a popular figure for that? Well, he was certainly a divisive figure. And of course, uh, judging from how many people tried to attend uninvitedly uh, to his funeral, family funeral, uh, he was extremely popular. He was very popular. He was very articulate. Uh, he probably had some issues. Uh, some of the, a lot of them were controversial, but still people uh, and uh, political spectrum wise, he was on the uh, far right, of course. Okay. Uh, but, uh, he he had a voice and a very articulate voice so to speak and of course uh, that attracted a lot of people so he was a very popular figure and do younger like the world with war how does that play with younger japanese like is the do people want to move on from that and go and have some pride in the, some of the past or is it sort of was that seen as very divisive to even attend it's also ceremony? very divisive it's totally debatable uh so security-wise, uh, some people uh, thought it was a very good idea to uh, revise the pacifist constitution uh, so that we can uh, boost the security. Uh, a lot of people say that uh, Japan is too reliant on America in terms of uh, uh, you know defending our own country. Some people say, well, that is a slippery slope. Uh, we don't want to go back to the uh, World War II era. But, you know, of course, uh, Abe's uh, criticism or criti critics say that uh, he has this uh, revisionist uh, idea. And I cannot argue with that. But, you know, he has some good ideas, too. It's so it's very difficult to see a politician uh, that, who was that articulate and who had this uh, uh in a statement and he had he had he was very opinionated which is pretty rare in japan uh because a lot of politicians in japan uh don't have that kind of strong uh arguments or uh, a strong claim to begin with so yeah. what was the core of his because he was in office from 2006 to 2007 and then again from 2012 to 2020. So he clearly was popular, as you said. He was reelected a number of times. And he had times. health issues, right? Is Everybody came down. to his thing. Right. What was the core of his message? The core of his message is to uh, stand on your own, I guess. Uh, uh, he was trying to build a nation that could stand its own. Uh, so th th that was basically it. Uh, or equal partnership with America, probably. Uh, that's the uh, uh, very famous one as well. Uh, it's uh, he, he wrote back in the day. He wrote a book titled "Utsukushi uh, Kuni," which means "Beautiful Nation Japan," and he had this idea about uh, uh, he had this. He clearly had a, a vision or idea or. Uh, it's kind of a, a glamorous idea or a glorified idea of Japan that, that Japan can uh, certainly be independent in a true sense and uh, still, uh, you know, uh, have an equal partnership and probably uh, and still be friends with the rest of the world. And how is uh, World War II seen in Japan? And I know like in in Germany, it's seen as this gigantic, you know, this big embarrassment, right? Uh, in the United States, it's seen at, am I wrong, Kaplan? You made a face. I would hope it's seen that way in Germany, yes. That's what I said, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I was saying like understatement, yes. Oh, I thought, okay. Uh, I thought you were going to say I was wrong. In 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 <laughs> Japan, I'm sorry, in Germany, it's seen as, as, as a big embarrassment, right? And then in the United States, it's seen as this big victory. And the, but with Japan, there's a few different you have Japan and China is one aspect of it. But then Japan and the United States is a different aspect of it. I'm just curious. I've never I've never thought about this before. But how do J Japanese people look? How is it taught in school? How is it seen? 
Well, the textbook answer is, uh, uh, of course, uh, Japan made a mistake. But uh, largely speaking, uh, nowadays, it is a, a sort of a lesson learned. Uh, it was a poor diplomacy, of course. Uh, it was also a uh, uncalculated uh, campaign against uh, everything. Uh, of course, uh, going going to the war with America was that uh, Japan didn't have a lot of resources to begin with, so uh, it was a poorly uh, calculated move. Uh, that is, I think that's a realistic uh, assessment of out in front of your skis a little bit. My mom always says that Japan, Myrna Sparks says Japan should, if they would have kept going and just bombed California, they probably would have won. <laughs> what, what kind of take is that? <laughs> That's her take. She's like, we weren't ready. Nobody was ready. I don't know if she was even alive then. She wasn't. But her claim is that California wasn't ready. Oh, wait. California wasn't ready. That's true. Yeah, we, yeah. They would have had California at least. That's <laughs> what anyway. she said. That's, that's the take. Now that's your yeah. take, Cap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Did they ever teach that in school in Japan? If we would have just kept, kept going, going, they screwed up. Yeah. I mean, not as schools, but, you know, uh, there's uh, some books that, you know, touch upon that kind of subject. I went to Hawaii 10 years ago for the first time, and uh, there were so many Japanese people. And uh, you can actually use Japanese yen in Hawaii. So I was kind of confused because, uh, you know, that doesn't happen. You, you cannot use United States dollars in Japan, and still you can use Japanese yen in Hawaii. I was like, did we really lose the war? Yeah, maybe you guys won the war. As he takes a sip of water. That's a great bit. Yeah. Well, I, it's such a vacation destination now. Bizarre for Jap- Japan, right? Weird enough, yeah. It, 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 it's been it's been a very popular uh, honeymoon destination for <laughs> Japanese people. And is the <laughs> uh, the Pearl Harbor mo- like memorial tour to is that the, part of yeah, the honeymoon? <laughs> My parents went to honeymoon. Uh, they did their honeymoon in Hawaii. Wow! <laughs> to celebrate they, a victory. <laughs> it was a victory. If, even if you know it was one day, but they did. You can't deny they won the day. If you count Hawaii as part of America, which I'm not, I don't always do, it's the only time we've been attacked successfully. So. Just recently learned that Hawaii was part of America, and he's he's a denier. He's a Hawaii yeah. denier. I'm a Continental 48 guy, big Continental 48. But yeah, congratulations on that victory. You got one win out of it. Um, so Abe dies like last week, or no, sorry, July 8th. What's what's the reaction in the country when it happens? Well, the entire I think the, a lot of people are really shocked because it was totally out of the blue. Uh, gun violence rarely happens in Japan, almost non-existent, uh, except for uh, some of the uh, exceptions. But uh, it was such a uh, uh, it, the former prime minister assassinated in broad daylight. Uh, with protection details, and that is so bizarre. Uh, and uh, it wasn't even a sophisticated attack. Uh, the uh, assailant was just, you know, lurking around, and of course he was following a best schedule. Uh, but uh, he was, as an assailant or as an attacker, he did a pretty poor job. I mean, he succeeded, of course. He got what he wanted. But... Uh, Movement-wise, he was uh, doing a very poor job. His weapon was also really crude, and uh, he just got lucky, I guess. His first shot didn't even hit, right? It was like the second or third shot, I think, that he wasn't even a great uh, shot. Uh, it wasn't even a great shot. Or uh, uh, I've sustained multiple gun wounds. Uh, I think one in the neck and uh, one pierced through his heart. Mm. So uh, in this sense, well, it's a close range shot, but, you know, uh, still with a crude weapon, you can do that. And that was also surprising as well. Yeah, let's talk about the weapon. It was a homemade gun. Is that right? It was a homemade gun. It was it was a homemade gun. Uh, I heard that the uh, uh, 
assailant was trying to uh, use a bomb or something, a homemade bomb first, but it didn't go well, so he switched to a homemade gun. There were uh, prototypes of guns and weapons at his place. What do you know any details of what the gun was made out of? I, I, I don't know about the details. I just know it was a crude gun. Uh, first shot was uh, really the sound that was produced from the weapon didn't sound like a gun. So I, I heard that the uh, security details were really, con- uh, security people were really confused. That's actually smart. Yeah. The gun didn't sound like a gun. It sounded, it sounded like something went off, but they weren't quite sure that it was a gun. So they, they were like, uh, it was something, there's, there was something loud went off. Uh, maybe it's a firework or something like that. And then there was a second shot, which was uh, pretty fatal for uh, uh, yeah, for Prime Minister Abe. Cap, I mean, do you know anything to about make the a gun? gun at, to, I, I, when I hear homemade gun, I'm thinking like, is it from like one of those 3D printers or something? Well, but like, that's no, what people actually, were telling. I think the first yeah. thing I heard was I was in some WhatsApp group and somebody's like, the, the uh, Prime Minister of Japan got murdered with a 3D printed gun. But I... Right. I, but I haven't read that anywhere. Did they, I no. think people are just assuming it was a 3D printed gun. Right, because we have this idea that you can make anything with a 3D printer now. So I don't think people realize that you can actually, I guess you can make a gun if you knew how, if you went on the internet deep on the dark web or wherever and found the instructions and found the, I don't know, but I'm not, no advice there. He, I saw he took, he went to like the mountains or something to practice. He had like all these prototypes and he was like shooting off in the mountains for uh, I think 10 different guns or something like that to see which one worked or but that's all I know. I, I, I don't even know how to, I can't even fire a gun. I can't squint. So I don't know how to make one, but <laughs> I'm looking it up as we speak, but it's, and what about the bullets? How do you get, so what are the oh, yeah. gun laws in Japan? Who can get a gun? They're like really strict, right? I mean, you can sorry. actually have a, you can actually get a gun. You can get a gun license, but obtaining a gun license is really extreme, uh, rigorous process. It's so hard. You have to go through a lot of background checks. Your relatives and your family will be uh, interviewed. Your uh, colleagues and friends will be interviewed. Uh, it takes a lot of time. So it's pretty, uh, you know, it's not worth it. They, they, they'll do a lot of interviews, uh, people, your friends, uh, your, not your ex-girlfriends. I'm not sure about that. But <laughs> that would be amazing. I'm not sure if they go that far. I feel like those would be the most important people to interview. Is it like a letter for reference when you're getting a job and you just list people that they'll probably never call, assuming, and or you list like, or is it like a college application? You, like, a, um, yeah. you have to write like a, a college application. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pretty much, it's it's pretty much like that. It's my favorite science teacher. He'll say good things about me. So, and crazy. So you, you don't know anybody with a gun, I assume, like legally gun. Uh, I have a former student. Uh-huh. Uh, I teach at college, and uh, my former student now uh, is in the process of. Uh, I think he also already has a gun. Uh, for uh, he's a hunter. Uh-huh. Or, they ask you to light, write a letter of recommendation? No, no, they you no. Me, which is a shame. <laughs> <laughs> what does he hunt it. for? Uh, wild boars. Oh, whoa. Tasty. So um, what's the conversation now? So basically, to be able to get a gun, you know, you know one person who has a gun. To be able to get it, it's very difficult. Uh, can the government take it away from you if you have it? Of course, when you become a criminal, uh, you can uh, the government, of course, uh, can take away your gun. Um, of course, uh, you, you can return the license. You can give up the license and say, well, I'm not going to go uh, have a gun anymore. And how often are gun crime, like any gun crime, someone gets shot or like someone's robbing a bank and they use a gun? Extremely rare. I I don't think I've heard of any gun violence uh, except for uh, uh, except for some kind of conflict between the uh, Yakuza gangs, but that doesn't happen a lot. So your schools, there's never shootings at your schools. I've never uh, seen any shootings in Japan. Uh, wow. 
So how does the Yakuza, the gang, how does the Yakuza get guns? They put each other as a reference? Well, actually, I think uh, they import from the uh, overseas. Ah, okay. So they have illegal guns coming in. So they're not making 3D printer guns either. <laughs> Probably not. I don't think they're there. No. <laughs> they got a guy. One guy in the gang, he's a 3D printer guy. So is there a new conversation now in Japan about guns? Is there like, how do you get homemade guns? How do you control homemade guns? It's really hard to control homemade guns. A few years ago, when 3D printer was, uh, wasn't uh, that popular, uh, Someone got a got hold of the 3D printer and uh, he created a homemade gun, and he uh, test fired uh, in the mountains. He didn't shoot anybody, but he was arrested. So uh, the discussion started from there. How do you regulate, or how do you, uh, uh, how can we do something about it? Uh, if someone creates a homemade gun, then uh, there's no way to stop him. Now, the argument that I've seen from pro-gun people in America is, see, now if you can uh, if if you can just make a gun at home, then there's no point in regulating any gun. So we should be able to have AK-47. Americans are too lazy for that, though. So that is the argument, though. Do you see that, cat? Once the Abe thing I have I haven't seen that, but it doesn't. I could, I can picture someone saying that, but yeah. it's of course you can say that about anything. You can make meth at home. You can sure. make, like, make yes, good point. Uh, we yeah. need to take a break, Kaplan. When we get back, I want to find out more about the Japanese comedy scene. Kaplan, we are part of the world's smartest podcast network. That is Professor Andrew Heaton and the Political Orphanage. Yes. That is Doctor Andrea Jones Roy, and uh, majoring in everything podcast. And that is us. We also have an ad this week from the great Dennis Owens, oh. and I'm going Damn. to pull it up. Which right is what now. you get. We I don't know if we mentioned it. If you pay twenty dollars a month to our Patreon, Patreon.com/slash Lost in America, we will read any ad once a month on this show that you write for us, no matter what you say. Here we go. Here's the ad. The great Dennis Owens. I think this is talking in reference to our episode last week about El Salvador. All right. Fresh off the press. Oh, he actually wrote ad copy for both of us, but I'm just going to read it myself. He wrote like a whole conversation. Oh, a script? Yes. I believe you don't have it up. So I'll just read it. He says, we want to say, apologize. He's, this is written in our, our voice. He says, folks, okay. <laughs> we want to apologize for an unfortunate statement we made on our last episode. We recently visited a lovely country called El Salvador and brought up their status as the highest per capita murder country in the world with 61.8 murders per 100,000 people. Now, I don't even know if we knew that amount. Did we, we did not that? bring up that? That is misquoting us. We didn't bring up statistics like that. Yeah, 61. but he's written 8. this into, he pays more than 20 bucks a month. So we did say it for the purpose. He makes it sound smarter. I like it. So um, while that is technically true, the 61.8 murders for 100,000 people, this ignores the longstanding excellence in murder that occurs in St. Louis <laughs> on both sides of Missouri, the Missouri side and the Illinois state line with over oh, 66 it. murders per 100,000 people. We apologize for this oversight <laughs> and we beg for your forgiveness as an audience. So St. Louis to the San Salvador of the Midwest. Is that what we're trying to say? Or the- He's saying they murder more people. Yeah. So they're they should, technically the murder capital of the world. They should get some Bitcoin there, bring some legal tender and uh, solve their problem. Solve their problem. <laughs> yeah, maybe they should get Christian Guevara, you know, get some new leader, leadership up there. <laughs> but I did. Did you realize that St. Louis is also because I knew Kansas City was Kansas City, Kansas, Kansas City, Missouri. I didn't know that St. Louis no. borders two states. Right. That's what I've learned. We, we've we been doing the Kansas City joke for a while now, but we, he just threw a little curveball there. St. Louis is on two sides. Two, what kind of situation is this? Missouri, so Missouri Illinois, is that close? only has two real cities and yeah. half of both of them are in a different state. And no wonder why people are killing each other. They're just no confused. wonder. 
They're up, they're like, hey, pick a state. Yeah, they're making guns in the Missouri side. The different gun laws. They're jumping over the yeah, or the Illinois side. <laughs> they're jumping so. over the fence, <laughs> jumping over the border. Yeah, Kaplan. So. That uh, that all right. Now let's get to the a oh, word from your local sponsor. All right, we're back. Thank you, sponsors. Thank you very much, sponsors. Kaplan. Um, no, let's get let's get Momo. Let's get to this. Uh, what's going on with the comedy scene in Japan right now? I've performed there once. I went to Fukuoka and performed with um, uh, the whole crew down there, Ollie Horn and the gang. Oh, yeah. I want to say it was like 2015, <laughs> 16, maybe 17. I don't know, somewhere in that range. And at that time, Ed Daggers from the Osaka scene came over and did a show with us. And he was saying, hey, come on over to Osaka. Just extend your trip by three days. Come to Osaka and do a show. And I said, sounds great. How much does it pay? And he said, nothing. And I said, oh, I'm good. Thanks. But I'll, I got to go home. So I didn't get, I didn't make it there because it would have been too expensive. And I would get my own hotel and all that stuff. But although he did offer me, it was a great offer. But how, but you guys have the ROR Comedy Club. So what's the deal with the Comedy Club? Is it open currently? Well, in Osaka, well, still we're uh, not fully open. Uh, we just restarted open mic nights, uh, but it's like uh, once a month kind of thing. We haven't had a active comedy scene two years in Osaka. I'm not sure how it's working in Fukuoka. I I, I used to uh, visit Fukuoka and do a uh, a show there. Uh, Oli Horn was very nice. And uh, it was one of my favorite venues. Uh, it, more, I think the most lively uh, venue in Japan is Tokyo. Uh, do you know BJ Fox? I do know BJ Fox. Yeah, yeah, he's a great guy. He's a great guy. Uh, he he just uh, created a comedy club, a full fledged with a bar. Uh, everything is there. Comedy wise, uh, and what's the uh, name of that club? Uh, the uh, Tokyo Comedy Bar. Cool. And how did you get into comedy? How did you? So you speak English incredibly well. Have you lived in e Europe or the United States, or or how did you? How did you learn English? Let's start there. Uh, my actually, my uh, father uh, is an English teacher, and. Uh, Ever since I was a child, he was uh, training me. So I learned from my father. It was in the upbringing. Got which it. Is, uh, it came in handy. Yeah. Have you lived in other countries? Uh, uh, no. Wow. That's a pretty oh. impressive level of fluency to get to without ever living in an English-speaking country. And when, when did you first come across American-style stand-up comedy? Western style stand up comedy? Uh, I first came across this. Uh, I, I started watching uh, Western style comedy probably when I was in college, but I wasn't uh, trying to do stand up. Uh, and then uh, fast forward. Uh, many years later, I had a uh, Australian fiance, and uh, she was very funny, and uh, I was trying to make her laugh. So I uh, decided to turn to uh, you know uh, Western style comedy, and then I watched a, a lot of American comedy, uh, Australian stand up comedy, Canadian stand up comedy, uh, British stand up comedy, and I was uh, taking notes, uh, stealing jokes from them. No. Stealing <laughs> She didn't know. <laughs> yeah, it's, you're allowed to steal jokes to get laid. It's different than performing different. them. It's true. Different. Wait, she, uh, so so you started to impress a girl is why that's a very that's like oh that's a familiar Classic. concept. That's evolutionary. That's, that's why, why anybody joins a band, tells a joke, whatever. It's right. It's to impress a girl. So that's this is the reason why you did it. That's the reason, and uh, we we broke up, mm. and uh, you know. I, I had this pile of notes. 
it's a mixture of my uh, the joke I stole and uh, you know my original jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Who did and, you steal that, jokes from? Just curious. Dylan uh, uh, Moran. Uh, Dylan Moran. Yep. Yeah. I. He's Irish or he's Jimmy, British. He's Irish. Irish. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Carr. Jimmy Carr. Random. One liner. Uh, American comics. Uh, George Carlin. Uh, wow. <laughs> You're like the seven words well, I can't what, say in this. What? <laughs> what George Carlin <laughs> joke? I don't remember. I uh, I I was very impressed with, uh, by his um, uh, delivery. He had this uh, really fast uh, paced joke. I don't remember it, but because it was a long time ago, <laughs> he would when do a lot. He would do this thing where he would just say stuff really fast. And then when he got to the end of it, everyone would just start clapping almost because he more than laughing. It's like he completed the trick. It up. He said all the words so fast in a row. And I see some comedians still do that. It was sometimes. amazing. He was amazing. Uh, also, yeah. Louis Day, of course. Mm. And you stole from Louis? I saw it's allowed though. Now, now it's allowed. Now you can still, yeah. you should be able to, this is Greg Fitzsimmons actually did this bit a while ago that you should be able yeah. to steal from anyone who's been canceled. Exactly. He Just was doing jokes. Cosby jokes on stage for a while. <laughs> and he was like, who cares? I'm allowed. What are you going to do? Take his side. Yeah. <laughs> you steal uh, that bit from Greg. Yeah. And I understand. Cause like it's, when you're a band, I, I was I started out playing in bands when I was 12, 13, all the way up to I was 25. Early in a band, you do cover songs. So early as a comedian, I could understand this. Inc- you're not supposed to steal. In America, there's this thing, never steal, which I obviously don't once you get good. But I could see when you're just starting out, this idea of like, you're almost mimicking right. to understand to what it even is. Yeah. Is that is that what was what you what your thought process was? I think that's a very similar process, you know, uh, you mimic, uh, you pay tribute to the band, you know, you play their tunes. Yeah. So what I, I wasn't a performer back then. So why not just, you know, take some jokes and uh, tell it to my girlfriend. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and you, the, had you weren't telling me on of stage. Notes. You were just doing them like to her. To her. Yeah. And, uh, Is that why she broke up with you? She found out you were stealing jokes. Like were... She heard a George Carlin DVD one day, and so <laughs> popped it in. And... Yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> think of it. Uh, shit. Was she stealing jokes too? I don't do it anymore. I uh, I'm totally clean. Yeah. I watched. My- no, no, no. Was she? <laughs> was she? I don't think she was stealing jokes. Uh, she was really funny. She was natural born funny. She had a really uh, good sense of humor, but she was really lazy at mm-hmm. the same time. Uh, yeah. People call me Mo, but she called me Mo because she wasn't. <laughs> she was too lazy too to say your full name. <laughs> right. Like Mo, uh, that's too much effort. Too bothered. Yeah. You don't look like a Mo to me. <laughs> Mo is like three stooges. Yeah, she she couldn't even say Momo. She didn't get that far. I mean, that is part of comedy that nobody thinks about. There's this idea that like a lot of these comedians present themselves as these schlubby, lazy guys or or women, schlubby, lazy Mm. women uh, to be (laughs) to be politically correct. But you can't you can't have a career in comedy if you're genuinely lazy. Louis C.K. looks like just this fat, lazy guy, but there's no possible way you could write a new hour all the time. The lazy, there are lazy people in comedy and they never make it. They, you never hear, you've never heard of them because they've written one hour and they've been doing the same hour for 15 years. So it does take a work yes. ethic. I mean, Seinfeld, he wrote every day. He still, I think he still writes every day. He writes something every day. Uh, that's a tremendous amount of work ethic. Yeah, there's a lot of work that goes into it. So when did you start doing stand-up? I started doing stand-up in 2015. Uh, I was not as a a genuine interest in comedy. Of course, I was uh, very interested, but I started out, this started out as my research project. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was researching a, uh, a 
business presentation. I was doing research on business presentation and uh, I was trying to look for ways to, you know, make presentation more effective, especially in the area of business. And uh, I heard some people, uh, uh, you know, learn from comedy. Uh, a lot of people learn from improvisation. I heard there is uh, something called business improvisation in the United States. So I thought, well, why not go down this path and, you know, try to figure out how it works, what works and what doesn't. And, uh, well, long story short, I did an open mic in Osaka. RR had a uh, open mic night. It wasn't, a, I think it was a regular thing back then. Uh, but uh, I, I did my thing and, uh, you know, I was invited to their workshop. I uh, polished my jokes. I did it again. And, uh, you know, RR members really uh, liked my jokes and they invited me to, uh, uh, you know, come regularly. So that's how it started. Never that, looked back ever since. It's great. Uh, and have you toured around? Because everybody seems to know you. Garen Chu also recommended you out of Hong Kong. So do all these people uh, Garen- toured different countries? Yeah, guarantee you message me messages me uh, every now and then. I think his uh, he messaged me two weeks ago. Uh, random stuff. Uh, back to the subject. Yeah, yeah. I, I toured. I toured uh, not worldwide, but uh, I, I I did uh, my set in Hong Kong uh, uh, at the uh, Takeout Comedy, which is a, a really good venue. I think it was, it's a, a age's first stand-up comedy club, decent club. Yep. 2007. Yeah. It's a, it's an institution. So what about, is there a, cause I, I don't know if you've heard, I assume you have, um, we might be talking about it down the road, but this whole issue going on in Malaysia right now with these Rizal, uh, Rizal, sorry, Rizal Van Giesel, the owner of the crack house comedy club is, um, on trial for literally on trial with the government for jokes he told that were seen as anti-Muslim and a lot uh, of the, his comedy club has been shut down. Have you heard of this? No, I haven't. I, I never performed in Malaysia, but I didn't know that. That's a, that's huge. It's a disaster. Yeah. It's going on right now. This female, I wouldn't even call her a comedian. She was doing open mic for the first time ever. And she filmed it to put on her TikTok, and her big joke was that she came on stage in like a full, uh, I guess a burqa and full Muslim garb and said, oh, hello everyone, uh, I'm a traditional, whatever, presented herself as a traditional Muslim woman for like 30 seconds, and then went, ah, ha, ha, just kidding, screw that, and took it all off, and she had like a nightclub clothes on and was making fun of Islam, and she put it on her TikTok page, and then, um, it went viral and then Rizal and the club, they weren't, he was, I don't even think he was there that night. As far as I understand, it was an open mic night on a Tuesday. Like he wasn't, you know, we're not, they don't vet who goes up at an open mic night. It's not a, it's not booked open by the club. mic for a reason. Yeah. It's literally yeah. just people. He then privately asked her to take the video down because he thought it would threaten his business locally. And then she publicly shared his text message saying, look at this guy's trying to cancel me. This is censorship. The patriarchy wants me to take this down, but I'm not doing it because I'm an independent woman. Anyway, she got arrested, thrown in jail. Her boyfriend got arrested for taking the video, thrown in jail. And then the the mob, the Internet mob, the pro-Muslim, anti, I guess, free speech Internet mob came after him, Rizal, because it was his club, got his club shut down, got him put on trial. I guess my question is, I know nothing like this. It's pretty far off from Japanese culture. The religion's yeah. not, isn't going to take over one way or the other, but is there a line um, in terms at any, any stage in talking about things in Japan? I know you have total free speech, but say talking about this uh, Abe, for example, the, 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 the recent death, the, would people be going on the stage? Moonies, the church jo- joking about that at all? Or is is there some kind of a line, or is it really just do whatever you want? Well, some people uh, see the line, uh, some people don't. And uh, but comedy wise, it's too early to joke about uh, Abe-san's death. So that's the line I see. 
Yeah, um, but that's a personal thing. There's no like public law. Right. It's like reading the audience. The audience wouldn't want that. Yeah. yeah. But in Japan, we say something like uh, uh, we talk a lot about uh, climate or, you know, the, the cultural climate or a, a social climate, that kind of thing. Uh, yep. In Japanese, we call it kuki. Uh, so, uh, you know, we, we call it the uh, basically kooky means air, but uh, if there is some kind of a, a social atmosphere that kind of uh, uh, says, well, no, 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 it's not appropriate, then uh, people will just read that, it seems, in Japan. We call it kooky oyomu uh, or KY. And, uh, you know, we just uh, kind of a self-censorship. I mean, that happens here, too. I think that's just kind of like polite society. Common sense. Right. Yeah, being a human being sometimes. Yeah, being a human being. What about but, Japanese yeah. language comedy? I know you do it in English. You guys do it in Japanese as well? Uh, I don't do it in Japanese. Uh, hmm. BJ Fox does it in Japanese. Uh, he has a uh, another brand called... A, Okomediyaki, which means uh, okonomiyaki is some sort of a, uh, it's not exactly pizza, but it's kind of a, a Japanese pizza thing. And, and uh, it's a play on word, uh, okonomiyaki and comedy put together. Do you think, is there a reason why you don't? Do you feel more free in English to express your ideas? Uh, I don't know why, but I, I just uh, didn't, haven't had the opportunity so far. Uh, maybe I, I'm too, uh, yeah, but may, maybe expressing, uh, humor, uh, through, uh, English jokes probably works more for me, works better for me. Are you teaching Japanese, right? At your, your school? I teach in Japanese. Yeah, that's interesting. I, yeah. Do you know, uh, Zinjiro? Yes. Uh, I, I haven't met him in person, but I, I uh, know of him. He's quite the character. Uh, uh, he does comedy. Does he do it in Japanese? I mean, I, I've seen him do it in English. It's like he does it. In he uh, started it out as a, uh, uh, you know, of course, uh, his mother tongue is Japanese, so he he was a Japanese comedian uh, telling jokes in Japanese. Uh, he uh, he had his. I think he had his own radio show back then. Cap. This guy's English language comedy. Everybody go look up Zinjiro, Z-E-N-J-I-R-O. The only words he knows in English are the uh, words he's memorized for his act. Really? Yeah. He does it in English? And he does English language comedy. It's hilarious. It's like very physical, crazy, over the top. He has props and stuff. He like blows it all. It's like this big performance. But he comes off stage. He speaks no English. But on stage, it's almost like he's memorized the sounds that he needs to make. So he doesn't talk to the audience or anything. There's no, 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 no. <laughs> but he used to do our comp, our Shanghai Comedy Festival, and so funny every single time. That's but like, amazing. and he's, I think he's a big TV star. Is that correct? He used to be. Uh, he doesn't appear on TV anymore. Now, is there an avenue for you? Would you be interested in taking comedy? To television, or is just is stand up all you're interested in? Well, stand up is all I'm interested in. Maybe a Netflix special, but not TV. <laughs> and you're a master negotiator, so when you go in there and negotiate that special, oh yeah, he should negotiate. When we deal with the networks, they're going to negotiate for us. You're not getting that Monique it. money. You're getting real <laughs> money, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, tough negotiation. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so what about the party? Like the cap, you had some questions about the party, right? Oh, why? Well, we were just wondering how, like, does does when you know, like in America, when when uh, after nine eleven, for instance, or when wherever you're in war, everyone kind of rallies around you know the president in power. So does that affect like is uh, uh, Abe's party, his old party now? Are they more popular than ever? Because I saw that there was, I didn't know if it was connected, but we read that some lawmakers are like uh, were joining their party who were part of a different party, including uh. And Akiko Yukuna, who's a, a member of an all-girl pop band. That was exciting. That, that's what I get. I get all my news on it. I'm, I'm looking at the Japanese pop uh, news, really. It's for, so I don't, how is this basically affecting politics going forward is what I'm at. Is it, uh, it going to actually make his, pop, his party more popular? 
Well, of course, uh, I mean, Abe's death, uh, I think uh, it has triggered uh, some form of, uh, you know, it, it has been a, a very emotional incident for a lot of people. So, of course, uh, there should be effects. Uh, we call something like that, uh, what was the word for it? So when someone dies, a political figure dies, and uh, his party or her party, uh, people start voting for them. Right. Yeah. So uh, th- there was a, a Japanese word for it. I, uh, I forgot. But uh, something like that can happen, of course. It's like how everybody got that Sublime album after that guy died. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the album was fine. Death. It wasn't the best thing I've ever heard in my life, but it was. he was dead, so yeah. people liked it. Apples to apples, exactly. Exactly. And you should have well, seen his thoughts on the World War II. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. There we go. That is it, uh, Kaplan. Uh, Momo Takamori, thank you for doing it. Everybody check out ROR Comedy Club. That's Ro- Roar Comedy Club or ROR Comedy Club in Osaka, Japan. Kaplan, that's it. What should we do? Until next week, let's get lost. Get lost. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.